0: Some may say sanity is all that stands between good and evil, but prolonged sanity can lead to madness. This is Clara's story. I grew up believing when we are at the hour of our death, we are greeted by loved ones lost. I've lost my fair share of loved ones, and here I am tied to this tree, all alone. This could mean one of two things. Either I'm not as close to death as I thought, or everything I ever believed is a lie. I can't be sure, but I feel as if time runs differently in the nether. How long ago was I captured and tied to this tree? Hours? Weeks? Only minutes ago? I have no way of figuring it out. All I know is that it feels like I've been here forever. And to make a bad situation worse, I can sense the creatures in this place lurking, waiting just out of my eyesight. Will they come for me while I'm still alive, or be patient until I've died of exposure, or dehydration, or starvation? I should be trying to think of a way to get myself out of here. But all I can think about is what the things making those sounds look like and what it will feel like when they pick the flesh from my bones. I guess it really doesn't matter. I've accepted my death. Yeah, I did that a long time ago. But my one main regret is that I won't live long enough to see the King of the Scum fall. And oh, how I wanted to see his end ever since. I might as well just say it. No one else is here to listen to my story, but it can still be told. The only thing listening is this tape recorder I might as well have welded to my body. It's been my only true passion in life to see the king of the scum fall ever since he stole me away from my family in the middle of the night all those years ago. He thinks I don't remember. Or maybe he just doesn't care if I remember or not. But I do remember. I remember every blood-curdling scream and bone-crunching moment of the night he himself came for me. And why? because he was preparing for his future, that's why. The thing about the King of the Scum is that there's no denying his power, but the host bodies he takes up residence in can't handle that power. That's not long before he's hunting for a new one, trying to find someone young enough and strong enough to not die the moment he takes over. If he's lucky, he can hold on to a host for a few weeks, maybe a few months, and then that host withers and dies and he has to find a new one the king of the scum took me as a kid, killed my family, and then decided to hide me away until later. Why he didn't possess me right then and there, I'll never know. But instead, he tossed me into his little asylum and let his brown-nosing crony, Dr. Nate, perform year's worth of experiments on me. I was in that place for the better part of a decade, and I don't think there was a day gone by where I wasn't hooked up to some electrode machine or submerged in sensory deprivation tanks. You name it, I went through it. Hell, I think Dr. Nate got some kind of sick joy out of torturing me in the name of science. Every now and then, the King of the Scum would stop by to check in on me, to see how his project was holding up. Each time he was sporting a fresh new host body. Sometimes it was even the bodies of people I remembered from town, but I always knew it was him. There was never any denying when the King of the Scum entered a room, that's for sure. My breaking point, though, the moment that made me pledge my own life to ensure his death, well, that was when he showed up at the hospital to check on me as... I knew he was coming before he even entered the room. (laughs) Dr. Nate was running around like he'd get his head cut off if everything wasn't completely perfect for his king's arrival. And truth be told, he probably would have. And truth be told, Dr. Nate was the closest thing I had to a parent during those years, as evil as he was so him getting decapitated wasn't at the top of my list of things I wanted to see. When the King of the Scum showed up that day, even Dr. Nate tried to convince him he shouldn't come in to see me. Of course, I didn't know why at the time, but the second he walked through the door, a somber and sympathetic Dr. Nate on his coattails, I figured it out. The King of the Scum was wearing my mother as a host. I thought he would killed her the night he took me, but he must have been keeping her alive, waiting for the right moment to possess her. My father, on the other hand, I don't know what happened to him, but I knew I'd never see him dead or alive again. I know I'm not right, Battle Babies. I know you know too, and now you know why. Something in me snapped that day, and if we're being honest, I don't think a single one of you can blame me for it. We've all been hurt by the King of the Scum at some time or another, but I've been his personal punching bag and pincushion for years. But if you beat a dog long enough, it might just lose control and bite back, one day. And to think, the last time I saw my mother, it was just her walking, talking shell with the king of the skunk crammed inside. I saw her, him, it, a couple more times in the following weeks, but each time my mother's body looked more haggard and decomposed than the time before. But the last time, she was barely recognizable. It was obvious she'd been dead for a while, but it still hurt to see her that way, over and over again. It wasn't too long after that, a week, maybe two, before Otto and I escaped from the asylum. It's funny, we shared the same personal hell for a while, and I didn't even know who he was until I started hearing his recordings. Life's funny like that. He and I, we were destined to meet, but it had to be at the exact right moment. Look at me, talking as if anyone's ever going to hear this. My battle-babies, my warriors, the world's only hope against the forces of evil and darkness. I hate to say it, but you're all doomed. Unless? Unless Otto can manage to finish this job without me. I think he can do it. He just has to choose to. Part of me thinks he will, but part of me also thinks he's too afraid to lose his brother for good. Some part of him sees the King of the Scum running around dressed as August, and he knows that's not his brother but it's too hard for him to admit it, and believe me, I know that truth all too well. But this next part, it's important for me, and it's important for you. I believe in Otto Gillespie, and even though the things in this place took me and tied me up when they found out he and I have been communicating with one another, I can feel it in my bones that he knows better than to show up and try to save me by himself. He knows how important he is and how dangerous it would be for both of us to be here. If I'm tied up and can't make my way back to the doorway, then I'm as good as dead. And Otto is our last hope. He can and he will do this. He has to. Clara! Clara, can you hear me? No. He can't be here. If he's here, then we have to stick together, or we're both as good as dead. God, I know I told you to get me out of here, Otto, but you were supposed to do it from the other side. You can't be here. Otto! I'm here! Otto, you have to...
1: Oh, my God, Clara, you have no idea how good it is to see you. How did you get tied up like this? Who did this to you? Otto, you don't understand. You shouldn't have come. Shut up. Don't be stupid, okay? As soon as I get you untied, we're making a run for that door, all right? We're both going to make it back to Dead Oaks. (laughs) Imagine me anxious to get back to that place.
0: You don't understand. They knew you'd come for me. This is a trap, Otto. It's a trap for you.
1: Who knew?
0: Otto. They're coming.
1: We have to go. The door's this way. We can make it if we run.
0: Otto, you shouldn't be here. How could you have put everything at risk to rescue me? How could you be so stupid?
1: None of that matters now. I couldn't have lived with myself if I hadn't at least tried to get you back. And let's face it, we've both been pretty much as good as dead for a while now. What's the difference between the king of the scum killing us and whatever the hell those things are doing it for him?
0: The difference is, if we both die, then there's no one left to fight the king. He wins. Checkmate. End of story. Fiend.
1: Not exactly no one.
0: What are you talking about?
1: There's no time. we've got backup on our side. I can see the doorway up ahead. Those things are closing on us. We're gonna have to sprint top speed. No looking back.
0: Otto, it's not going to work.
1: Now's not the time for negativity, Clara.
0: You have the tape? You finished making a new copy like you said on the phone?
1: Yes. Now come on! We have to go!
0: No, Otto. If we make it through the door and those things follow us, there's no telling what they'll do to the town. What are you saying? I'm saying we can't both go through with those things on our tails. You go. I'll make sure they don't
1: follow you through. Clara, that's insane. Just come with me. If they get through, they get through. We'll deal with it. We always deal with it, Clara.
0: It is insane, (laughs) but so am I. You save yourself. I'll hold them back.
1: We hope you enjoyed your stay in Dead
0: Oaks. Today's episode, Clara's Story, was written by Christopher Waltz. The voice of Otto Gillespie was Aaron Beck, and the voice of Clara Beaufort was Aaron Lynn. Music in today's episode was Creepy, written and performed by Nicholas Crittney. Join us in two weeks for the final short story episode of Dead Oaks, No Trespassing, by Krista Carton. And don't miss the series finale of Otto's story, The Last Tape, on Sunday, May 13th. For more information, find us on Twitter, at Dead Oaks Podcast.